you own a business and you're a little bit scared about what's going on in the economy right now, and uh, maybe you haven't had as many leads or as many projects coming in as you did in the last couple of years. So today we actually have Daniel Bay, which is my personal sales coach. He's on today to discuss sales in uh, recessionary times. We're going to drop a lot of good gold nuggets and a lot of things to consider as you go out and you change your role in this uh, sales world from being the hero of the story, trying to save your clients to being the guide and helping them make amazing decisions. You're going to want to listen to this one all the way to the end. We drop nuggets along the entire journey. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today we have a super special guest on the show. I say that, and I know I say that often, but this guy here, he's one of the reasons why I even have this show. Um, I'm going to introduce him today. His name is uh, Dr. Dan Bay. He owns uh, Clothes for Cairo, which is a, um, a sales consulting firm that actually helps chiropractors sell more and impact more people's lives. And uh, we're going to get into our story and how we met. But uh, again, he's a chiropractor as well. He's a father, a husband, and an overall badass. So Daniel Bay, welcome to the show. What's up, outer spacers? Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> it should be. All right. Like it should be. Outer spacers. Awesome. <laughs> Great to be on here. It is honor and a pleasure. Uh, to see you absolutely crushing it, Josh. I'm so proud of you. So cool to see what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And, you know, I I don't know why it's taken me so long to ask you to be on this podcast. I I, I don't know. Well, so I, was, I, I was secretly crying in my sleep every other night thinking, when is Josh going to ask me onto his <laughs> badass podcast? Uh, losing sleep well, over it for the last couple of months, brother. Well, now you can sleep much better with, uh, with knowing that you've, you've been, uh, you're here and doing it. Um, today, what I want to get into is a little bit about how we met so the, the listeners kind of know where you're coming from and where we're coming from. And then I want to dive deep into a subject that's been the elephant in the room in our industry for sure, which is how to sell in recessionary times. Mm. So that's an important subject that's going to, it's changing, right? Sales is an ever changing machine. It is Always. not the same every single day. People's sediment, their, their concept around money, their, the fact whether they're going to spend it or they want to hoard it, like that all changes with what the big news media is telling them to think, right? So yes. we have to adjust and constantly be thinking about how we're serving our client at the highest level. So before we get into that, and I know Dan's going to drop a bunch of gold nuggets. This guy is an absolute treasure trove of, of awesome information. That's why I hired him as my coach years ago and still continue to work with him. Um, but before we get into all those wonderful things, Dan, tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you got into be a chiropractor and how you eventually decided you had to help people communicate. Uh, okay. My childhood, um, we don't have enough time for that, but I think everyone <laughs> that's listening can relate to the fact that in a way we're all kind of misfits. We all kind of don't fit in. We've all had our, our ups and downs in our past. And a lot of us actually hold on to those, that baggage and into our professional life. And working with business business people for the past, I don't know, 15 years, I see a lot of those things come up to the surface. But nevertheless, uh, chiropractic, how did I get into it? Well, 
I wanted to be a professional musician. So you can probably see how that evolved. Just kidding. How did that happen? Well, I wanted to be a professional musician. Um, realized I wasn't that good. <laughs> or it wasn't good enough uh, to actually make a, a, a living. But it wasn't until I had a own, my own personal experience was when I was severely injured. And there was literally a chunk out of my entire life. And I was in college at the time, which is the worst time to lose a part of your life. Um, and there was this chiropractor that actually got my life back. So I was like, you know, I'd like to do this for other people since I can't be jamming on a guitar in front of millions of people. I think this would be the next best thing. So I, um, I enrolled in school, the rest is history, but it wasn't until I graduated is when I hit a wall and um, the, uh, the little violins were playing. Um, the amount of stress I felt during that time was immense. It was overwhelming to the point where I wanted to quit the profession altogether main reason why and i think everyone online can relate to this is at a certain point when you're getting overwhelming amount of no's coming mm -hmm. in people are coming to you they're saying i want this but somehow at the end of the conversation they're, they're like no i want to go home and talk to my spouse about it i want to mm -hmm. go home and talk to my goldfish about it this is too expensive this is not what i was thinking the the look of sticker shock in their faces makes you turn completely ghastly white and then you uh, wake up in the middle of the night with this with this nightmare that wakes you up like you're gonna lose everything you're gonna lose your shirt how am i gonna support my family how are my kids are gonna eat and that absolutely changed everything on how I approach my business because I did not want to live like that anymore. And I think many of you can relate to that. And if you haven't been through that, I'm just telling you, you're fortunate. But the fortunate thing for me is when I went through that, it changed how I approach things. And I realized I had one problem. I didn't have a, a service delivery problem. So I knew I did good work. So many of you are doing great work out there. So many talented people that Josh tells me about a lot of the people he's working with. Those literal geniuses. Josh, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. they can with their bare hands, you guys are making some incredible things or you're providing 100%. incredible service and products for your people, but they're still saying no. Like, how did the hell does that happen? But it wasn't until I went through all of that, I realized, you know, I have a sales problem. That was a really tough thing to swallow, right, Josh? Because that's mm -hmm. that it's that four letter word. Okay, fine. It's a five letter word, but four letter word sounds better. So it's that nasty <laughs> four letter word, sales yes, or selling, you know? Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to uh, accept that I had a sales problem. I had a problem with people from the other side saying yes to what I have to offer in the perspective that they can actually consume. That way they're saying, I really want, need, and desire this. This isn't the guy or the girl. Here's my money. Let's go. I had a problem with that process. And it wasn't until I accepted in my heart, like I had a sales problem. It wasn't until then that I, that, the floodgates opened and I never looked back. And uh, and we are so blessed that uh, not only are we doing this in our individual businesses, but now we get to teach this to the other people in the profession that are probably going this, through the same thing. No, absolutely, Dan. And that's exactly what I came to you for. You know, years ago when I reached out, my wife had gone to one of your seminars and she saw you or when you were at a seminar and saw you and said, I'm going to try out this, this, this Dan guy and see if he can help me with my, because her ultimate goal in her practice, her chiropractic practice is to impact and empower people and, you know, through chiropractic. And if, if people aren't sticking through the maintenance plans and sticking through all of this stuff, they're not getting the results. And they're like, oh, chiropractic didn't work where it works amazingly well. And I had the same problem, in my landscaping company where people would come in and, uh, they would, you know, we, they, 
do a design for them and eventually the design would be great and then they would go somewhere else to get it built or they just wouldn't come through the process or worse yet i would spend the time to go out and meet with these people and i would find three hours later that they weren't my client and oh. they didn't even want what i had or they wanted a cheaper price and we weren't that person and whatever like they, i found out too late is my point Brutal. so i said what if I could find a way to know this ahead of time. What if I could find a way, a process in which I could have much higher surety going out and spending this time with clients that we can actually get the, the ones that are really truly looking to work forward with us and not just the ones that are looking for someone with a pulse and the cheapest price, because that's not a good recipe to keep a business running. So that's when I hired Dan and we started working on our process, right? And within that first year, I'm going to back that up. I remember working with you, Dan. I remember being scared to come to class, right? Yeah. Because you, you're a straight shooter, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was not used to that back in the day. Like you said, role play. And I'm thinking like the only one kind I know is in a bedroom. So I'm like, how the heck are going to do this, right? So, TMI, TMI, like, TMI. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking like, all right, well, how's that going to work? And, and you wouldn't let me bullshit anyway. There's no way around it. I remember times getting up at 4 a.m. just to go through my lines so that when I got on the call, I wasn't sweating. And you yeah. still made me sweat anyway. But then, and then on top of it all, you told me to, to videotape myself shooting this stuff, not just audible, but video. And I hated looking at myself in a camera at that moment, right yeah. at that time in my life. And you're like, dude, now do it. And I would erase it and re-record it and erase it and re-record it. Anyway, um, eventually throughout that year, within one year of when we coached together, we had doubled sales. Yeah. out of the million dollars to the top line. And I was like, holy moly. And I spent less time with clients. And I was like, this is amazing, right? Yeah. It's like all the people that were saying no to me before, after I got to their house were breezed out on the phone. So we didn't have to worry about it. So I'm like, this is incredible. So I'm just saying that this, this process that you created for you, obviously transfer, you took a risk by going out of your industry to teach me, but it's been nothing but profound for us. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah. I still remember though, that time I remember <clears throat> wet behind the ears, uh, Josh and, He's like, what yeah. is this? What's going on here? But, you know, what I learned from that experience, Josh, and not just what you learned, what I learned from that experience is not just the fact of teaching someone a process, but watching someone who didn't really understand what true sales was, yeah. learn it and embrace it and then yeah. exploit it to a point where and, and let it grow to a point where the results were just overwhelming. And that's the the true power in accepting something, you know? And we're talking about accepting sales and salesmanship. Uh, and most of the people that would talk about those things, think of them as really bad, you know, browbeating, manipulative. And you and I both know it doesn't mean those things. Bad sales means those things. And yes, right. there are definitely bad sales people out there. But when you're representing a product and a service that can literally change the lives of people that you're taking care of, it can't be bad. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you're lying about it, which you shouldn't be. But that's what sales right. is. It's the shortest distance between a problem, want, need, or solution and you. That's it. Yep. Yep. And to do it in a way that empowers your customer, empowers your patient, or empowers the person on the other side. You know, we, we like to, to think about it like there's, there's, you have to disarm your client because the client thinks when they're coming in that you're going to try to sell them something. They're right. just so used to always being on edge. But when they realize in the beginning that you're only out, you're, you're only concerned with win-win situations. And if they don't see the value, then that's, that's on you. Yeah. That's totally. not on them. Right. And that's what it is. And that's our, the goal is for them. And if some people won't. And let's breeze it out in the beginning. Let's get that done before we spend a ton of time in somebody who just does wants the cheapest price or the fastest solution that really has no vested value in a better, longer term mm -hmm. focus. And so you know, a good, a good perspective, Josh, um, before I forget to talk about this is when we have to <clears throat> really address um, going into it, 
on the fact that no's will happen, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. No's will happen. It's just not for them for whatever reason. But one of the the pivotal things that helped me and, and should help every all the listeners here is that when a client says no to you, really, let's think about this. They're actually saying no to themselves, right? They're not saying no to you personally. That's and right. that all sounds good on paper until you take it into the field and someone says no to you. <clears throat> it takes practice for you to say to yourself, okay, this they're saying no to themselves, right? They're not saying no to me. And so that helps your, your headspace in terms of the typical self-loathing that happens when you are get rejected. And that's one of the things that you, we have to handle in, in professional sales is not only how do we handle the wins, because that's easy, right? But how do we handle those losses, okay? Nobody closes at 100%. Nobody sells anything at 100%. There's no product in the, or service in the world that sells itself. I don't care what Honda said back in the 80s. Nothing sells itself. Nobody says a, yes 100% of the time. So we have to prepare ourselves for those misses and professional salespeople know how to handle it. No, you're exactly right. And that's that's part of the headspace. You know, preparation needs to be done. The entire sales process, having one, is designed to be a filter. Just like a fuel filter on a car is designed to catch the, the things that the, the, the thing that's non-fuel, like the, mm. the, the not good parts. And it's the same here. If we have them come through our process and we get a no in the beginning on the phone, I'm like, good. That's exactly what this system's for. And it's not supposed to say turn no's into yeses. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Right. You're just supposed to know that you have the right people in the right seats. Totally. It's all about a matchup, right? Yep. That's how 100%. it goes. So Dan, I'd love to dive deeper into, obviously economies are changing. We just went through a you know two, three year push with COVID in our industry. It was a boon for everyone. Everyone was able to get tons of work and, and to book out way out into the future. And they didn't have to try real hard for it, right? It just, it came. And a lot of companies were, were born during this time to meet the demand. And now tides have turned, mm. right? And some economies are doing just fine around big cities, but others, like I'm out in rural Pennsylvania and things are different now. They're different than they were. That's kind of like a pre-COVID now where winter time, you don't get as many calls, then come spring and keep moving forward. But what I'd love to talk deeper about is what you found over the years are some of these uh, recessionary tools that we can use in our sales process that, uh, that'll that help bolster more yeses from the right clients. Uh, so I wanted to see what you had in your mind for that. Oh, awesome. That's a great question. So let's get down to brass tacks, nuts and bolts uh, about the, the problem that more, many people think they have. And I say think they have in a recession. So let me look, let me go over uh, a couple of 30,000 foot viewpoint things here. In a recession, okay, that does not mean nobody is buying. We have to understand that. People are still buying stuff. People are still investing in stuff that they truly want, need, or desire, okay? The people who are not are the people who really don't need or don't want or don't desire. But the people who really want, need, and desire are still buying stuff. I mean, how hard is it or, you know, right now this time period, you know what, you know, the, the car industry, right? I mean, it's crazy. Uh, they're selling cars for $20,000, $30,000 over MSRP. Interest rates are six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10%. You know what I mean? Who in their right mind, when you're looking at just brass tax numbers, would ever think buying a car right now is a smart thing, right? On right. top of that, you're buying a uh, uh, a thing that will depreciate over time, not appreciate. This is not a good investment. It makes no dollars and cents sense yet. People are still buying cars. You know what I mean? There are people who are going out and say, I really want that truck. I really want it. They're paying $20,000, $30,000 over MSRP. They're waiting eight 
months for an allocation to build that truck. They're paying 8% on interest, whatever it is. They're still saying yes. So the question here is, how do we position our service and product to be that desirable in the perspective of whom you are talking to? That is all. Now, that doesn't change whether you're in a recession or you're not in a recession. Does that make sense? It doesn't change. It's the same. You should be selling every product and service that you have available like it is the the apocalypse of recessions, right? Because if you do that in any type of economy, you will still move product. You will still move services. You'll always still you always stay busy. And the great thing, and another plus side about the recession is those who are buying from you really, really want you, which means typically they're going to be better working clients. Typically, they're going to be more um, educated on your brand. Typically, they're going to have done more due diligence on it because who does that type of work? People who really, really want your stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. And so this brings me to the next conversation of decommoditization. Wow. Okay. We can be up here for about two weeks talking about this, but decommoditization of your product and service is critical, especially during a recession. And again, when I say during a recession, I'm talking about any time you're selling anything, you know, um, let's go back to the best economic times in the world. You still, the people who are still surviving now had a good sales process then, and they still have it right now, which just helps them survive it. But decommoditization, what does that mean? Do you want to be Joe Schmo, the landscape guy, right? Which the average person cannot distinguish your product or service differently than anybody else's. And when that happens, Josh, what is the only determining factor that determines whether or not someone buys from you if they cannot determine the difference between A and B? That's price. That's it. That's it. it. So if you're playing a price game and you're getting pitted against A and B, understand what's happening here. Your stuff is commoditized. They can't tell the difference between A and B. So you will lose on price every single time. Now watch this. So here's just a blatant example. Let's say I'm buying a car since we have the car analogy. Let's say um, there's a McLaren 720LT sitting in front of me, okay? Everyone should know what that is. If you don't, Google it real quick. And then you have a Hyundai sitting next to it. You see, these cars are decommoditized by nature because everyone knows what a McLaren is and everyone knows what a Honda is or a Hyundai is, okay? So this comparison of price doesn't work here because one is clearly offering something completely different than the other. And so I can't compare both of them. You know what I'm saying? I I can't. It's impossible for me to say, well... The Hyundai is cheaper, so I'm going to buy that. That in any world, that makes absolutely no sense, right? Now watch this. What if, just what if I had um, these two cars, but I've never seen a car before in my life. I don't even know the concept of a motor vehicle. I don't even know what it looks like. I just know it gets me from A to B, which is the true purpose of a vehicle, right? If you really think about it which makes me feel stupid spending so much on cars, but but nevertheless, here we are. So you have two cars and a McLaren and a Hyundai, and the person that's buying from it doesn't know crap diddly about cars. They're gonna go to this, this buying decision. What are they gonna do? Well, I don't know the difference between these two cars. They kind of look the same. They have four wheels. They have an engine. They have a steering wheel, brake pedal, gas pedal, and it get me, gets me from A to B. Since I can't really tell the distinguishing difference between A and B, guess what I'm going to go to? Cheapest. That's right. It's the only right. viable option. Yeah. If that person bought the more expensive McLaren when they didn't know the difference between them, they would be 
stupid, right? And right. this is the one other thing that most um, salespeople need to understand is the reason many of your clients are probably saying no to you is not because they can't afford it or whatever. It's because they can't distinguish a difference, A, and they don't want to feel stupid making the wrong decision, buying something more expensive when they can't tell the difference between A and B. So why do I talk about this? Because decommoditizing what you do is critical. You have to do whatever you can to show that your shit is way better than the other thing. And these are the reasons why. That's the bottom line grassroots way to sell high ticket, high value, okay? Non-decommoditized products and services. And in your industry, Josh, there's no better way to do that because at in the end of the game, um, you all know, like you tell me these stories, like, you know, this guy spent half the amount that you would charge and then end up calling you back and be like, hey, can you fix this problem? Like, like we all know the downside of buying, you know, not premium in your industry, yet most of the people in the industry just don't get it. At the end of the day, um, they try to play the price game and they're going to lose. And there's another problem in your industry is because there's so much more overhead, right? Mm, so. 100%. You, you just, if you you pay the price game, you'll end up paying your clients to do the job as opposed to you getting paid for the clients. No, 100%, dude, Crazy. you couldn't have hit it more more on that, you know, the, the decommoditization side is, if someone's saying, I just want to put a new deck or a new patio in the back of their house, and that's all they see, and they're coming to you with, hey, I want a 10 by 20 patio, they've already done the work, right? So for them, it's a commodity, Correct. meaning that lowest <laughs> price is going to sell because they don't know what they don't know. Um, when they come to you with a different angle and they say, look, we would like you to design our backyard. We want you to get involved with this. We want to understand what's possible. You have the experience. We've never done this before. Because keep in mind, listeners, most people with doing outdoor living spaces, our clients have done this maybe once or twice in a lifetime. Right. It's not like a car to dance thing where they do it every three to five years. They're mm -hmm. used to this cycle. They're not used to doing this to backyard. So for them, they're looking for, I don't want to be screwed. I don't want to have egg on my face at the end of the day. I don't want to feel like I overpaid or any of those things, but I want someone that's going to make it easy for us and also someone who's willing to open us up and figure out what we truly need as opposed to what we may want, right? Because there's always that. We run that all the time where we have clients that want all of this stuff, but they don't really need it because they saw it in an HGTV show or saw it in a magazine somewhere. And that'd be really cool. And how often are you going to use that, Mrs. Jones? I don't know, maybe once a year. So you're going to spend $20,000 on a hot tub on your pool because you're going to use it once a year. Mm. You know, so we have to go through and help them through that process. But to Dan's point, if you were commoditized, you're just going to say yes to everything they want and put it in. They're going to be pissed off at you, you know, in that sense, because you're just, you just don't care. Mm. But when you're come in and you want to be different and you want to stand out and you want to be that McLaren, it's a matter of having your clients really work for getting some of those things put into their plan, into their design, you know, have them really think through it. Because if you end up helping them on that process, because you're the guide, not the hero. So if you're guiding them through using your excellent education and experience throughout all these years of doing this, and you can help them save themselves from spending money on things they don't need. Think about the value you're bringing to the table by telling them no, or at least having them consider other options to invest that money. Oh, amen. And check it out. That is yet just one of the ways that you decommoditize. And Josh is so good at this with his, you know, his, his landscape clientele, because what he has learned how to do is decommoditize from the first word that comes out of your mouth, even on a questionnaire, all the way down to the time that he makes a site visit. It's a constant and never ending cycle of decommoditization where at the end, the clients are saying, holy crap, this is my guy. And yep. I, I can't really understand. I, I don't know why this is my guy, but this is exactly who I want to do this space. That at the end, I can probably get something similar. You know, I, I know you do a better job, but just in their head, it, I can probably get it similar with Joe Schmo down the street that, that, that charges 30% less, 
But for some reason, I want to go with Josh. Now check it out. Some of you are listening and be like, that doesn't happen. You want to bet? It happens all the time. People are paying premium to have a better experience on pe- with people mm-hmm. they trust that guide them, not hero them. It's a great distinction. That's going to guide them through the process. And check it out. One of another great de- decommoditizing things that Josh just brought up is if a client says, I want this. And then you say, ooh, are you sure you really want that? I can do it for you. But let's be fair here. Is it really worth the investment to put in? a $130,000 outdoor outdoor sauna system if you're going to only use it once or twice. I think it's a better bet to get a a portable one that we can actually build into your basement or whatever that's going to be a fraction of the cost and then save the real estate outside for something way better that's more usable. Do you understand? That level of candor right there, okay, is another form of decommoditization because typically in your industry, it's it's like, you know, they're used to the the knucklehead GCs that are just trying to nickel and dime you for everything that they have, right? And they're yep, trying to yep. build a ticket price. But here's a guy who's actually slashing what he could potentially earn because now that they're 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 advocating for their clients as opposed to raping them. And so that's a, yet another way to decommoditize it. There are so many more. And I'm telling you right now, at the end of this call, I, I hope you guys are taking some notes here because we just dropped two do-level things in your process that decommoditizes you, that helps you set you apart a, a, a from the typical competition out there that is literally going to make people want to say yes to you quicker. And then this, here's another thing, Josh. Time is yeah. a factor. How long do we want these sales cycles to go? I mean, do yeah. we really want... First contact, let's say in January 2022, and we want them to actually pull the trigger on a on a project with us in 2025. Is that really what we're looking for, <laughs> you know? Or do no, we exactly. want a shorter sales cycle? Make them uh, say yes to you quicker because time is a factor. And that's another thing: is how do we get that to happen? Well, we got to decommoditize it, make it incredibly candy coated, make it very desirable, very wantable, something they truly want, need, or desire. And it's a associate with a dude or a dudette or whomever is selling. Say, this is the person I want to work with. And these are the reasons why. Because during the sales process, you're not just there to sell them. They actually feel like they're getting a service during the sales process. And those are the all the elements to get most of your people, even in a recession, to just throw money at you and be like, just let's do it. I want to get this started. When can we get started? Here's my money. Here's my time. Let's go. Uh, and it's a glorious thing when it happens, right, Je- right, right, Josh? Absolutely, dude. It's so incredible. And, mm. you know, all people want is to be guided. And I'll keep saying that a thousand times. And, you know, they they truly want someone that's going to be in it to win it with them. And there's we have conversation with clients all the time where they're, uh, I can think of one very particular that they... They, they were between doing an entire backyard renovation and doing an incredible outdoor living space or buying a beach house at the oh, shore. Wow. And they were kind of flipping back and forth between the two. They didn't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, obviously I want you to build a backyard, but at the end, I want you to be happy with your decision. So I said, we have to think about that. Let's do the pros and cons list. So we did a pros and cons list together. And the the, the pros, you know, for the outdoor living space was much higher and the cons for the, the beach house was much higher. So they eventually said, oh, we're going to do the outdoor living space. And they love that decision. But I could have easily said, no, of course you don't want the, the beach house mm. because I don't get anything from that. I said, no, this is human to human. I want them to make the best decision for themselves. So let's try to help them. Let's guide them on that decision. And maybe it was the beach house that would have been a better choice. And I'd much rather see them buy that than live in remorse after putting this backyard in. So it. we have that conversation because yes. you know what, Dan, that comes up over and over again with clients where they're like, you know what? I wish I would have just done this, or I wish I would have 
not dead to fire pit built in into my patio because I only use it once a year and I got to kick that thing every time I come down off of the deck and it's right, right in my way and I can't use that space for anything else. Right. So I got tired of hearing that over and over again. So I said, what if I just had a conversation with clients in the beginning and said, if you want a fire pit in this example, if you wanted the fire pit, what if we did a fire table instead? They're mm. cheaper. You can move them and you can switch them out as, you know, design trends change. Yeah. And you can take that area that was a lounging space and make it a dining space. Oh. And so less money, more flexibility. That's the kind of conversation we have with clients in order to make sure they know that you're the guide in there for them. And you know the crazy part, Dan? This is what's really cool. Oftentimes, once they feel that level of trust and honesty with you, yeah. they open up even more. And they're like, you know what? I want to save three grand on that fire pit or four grand on that fire pit. What if we did a feature wall here? What if we did a water feature over there? What if we did more landscaping? And pretty soon it's 10, 20, 30, $50,000 more because they feel that they can trust you and that you're going to tell them the freaking truth. Yeah. And you're not going to be like, yes, of course we can do that. Yes, ma'am. You want, oh, and you want, you want that over there too. And you want a basketball mm -hmm. hoop right off of your patio and you want a, a dipping pool right next to the patio again, like all of this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. And they're right. like, well, I need someone to guide me. I've never done this before. That is so much in our industry. That was how I used to work. I'd be mm. say yes to anything because I, every time they talked, I saw more dollars rolling through. Right. I'm like, this is going to be great. Yeah. But then we you know what happened later, Dan. They eventually said, oh, we don't need all of that. Like exactly. the budget went up too much and those things just don't make sense. You know, we don't trust you because you just keep saying yes to everything that we ask for, exactly. as opposed to pushing back and saying, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Another great one is trampolines. People like, Hey, can I, the clients will come in and say, can I do a trampoline in the ground? You know, dig one in the ground right, so I don't right, have right. to see this thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I said, is it possible? Sure. Does it make any sense? No. You're going to use it for maybe three to five years and that thing is going to be a gigantic hole. Right. And for a couple hundred dollar, you know, uh, trampoline, you're going to spend thousands to retain that thing to the ground. And then what? You pull yeah. it out and you got to spend hundreds or thousands more to fill it back in. I said, let's think about this logically. Let's just put it out there, mm -hmm. take that money and put it into something more permanent. Yeah. And every single time that turns the tides for them, they're like, Oh, good. Thank God you, I did, we didn't do that because we really thought that was going to be the best way. Yeah. And then it turns into a much bigger project and a much better relationship because that's all this is about, guys, is about relationship building. You just yeah. happen to build projects too. So if you focus on the human and the human experience through all of this, you're going to go much further through every economic condition because yeah. you care about the person, not necessarily the transaction. Dude, mic drop. Guys, I, I got to say something. If, if you're in this industry and you're not training with Josh on the process that gets people to here, like sorry, I'm just going to say it. You're dumb. Like you got to get with this guy and learn this process because it's so easy to screw up. Right, Josh? There's so many, oh, yeah. we would call them landmines. Like it's like navigating a landmine and everything and anything is being thrown at you. Every scenario is possible. And if you're not prepared for these scenarios that potentially puts you in a, in a, in a position where you either become untrusted or you don't look like an advisor, or you look like someone who's just trying to pad the bill. Like those are all the things that leads to those objections where they say, I need to go home and think about it. And really what they're saying, Josh, you know, that when they say, I need to go home, think about it. It's a no. Okay. Most of the time. Yep. It's a no. Yep. And you stepped on a landmine. You didn't even know it. And it's really the conscious salesmanship that we're really trying to promote here. And the consciousness, and Josh just said it. God, it's like I'm talking to myself. So cool. <laughs> Is that um, if that if you are constantly um, building your systems in the perspective of the human being and not in the perspective of the vendor, the salesperson, or the company, game over, you win, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're only thinking about the company, your bank account, your statistics, um, your process, your, um, your, your unique selling propositions, and never really getting into the perspective of what is my client thinking, feeling, saying, doing, 
and constantly negotiating from their perspective and not yours. Again, I, I, I know I repeated myself, but that is the name of the game. Josh, can I give you an example of that? Please. All right. So I don't know if this happens in your industry, but it certainly happens in mine, is that we have some of our clients and, um, and anyone in the service industry typically is that they're so married to their process and their product mm -hmm. to a point where they think their unique process or product is the selling proposition or that's the reason they should buy. So I'm just going to make this up. I don't know if this is applicable, but you know, we have a very special way of laying down hardscape that's different. And they actually might be, they may have innovated a really cool way to lay hardscape that other people can't do. Or we uh, innovated a, uh, a, another awesome way to, to 3D render a design that you can actually, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, like, or let's say you have a very unique selling proposition, it's unique to you. The problem that I'm seeing in, in people who are very married to their process and their products is that um, the sales process becomes a one-sided diatribe on why I'm so great. Yep. This is why I'm so great. <clears throat> this is why we're so good. This is why all these things, and really, again, that is another symptom of the salesperson that does not understand the human condition of who's listening because no one wants to sit through reading your resume, right? No. Nobody no. wants to see that. Nobody wants to know the features. Just tell me the outcome. And here is the number one thing that we should all be thinking about is what is the one thing that your client wants? One thing. And then drive that through the entire process. And Josh, we we call it life effect. I think you call mm -hmm. it something different, but I want to talk about that for a second. What's your take? No, absolutely. So, you know, we we when we designed this process, you and I, Dan, we created the uh, hot button first, right? Get all those ideas. Clients have thousands. After we build rapport and give them an idea of what we're going to talk about on the call, it's a matter of getting into, all right, what, what, what are you looking to do in your backyard? So then they give you a big list of things. And we've got to get to the number one most important piece, the piece that if they don't have this one piece that this entire project falls apart. Once mm -hmm. we have that clarity, that laser focus, we know how to set the conversation up. And then we get into a process called the life effect, which is what Dan's talking about. This is the emotional wiring to why this is important to them mm -hmm. and what the investment of this time and money is going to eventually give them, what the result will be. You know, and in our world, we're going to say something like, um, imagine Mrs. Jones, it is a year from now. And your new, let's just call it her hot button. Her main thing she wanted to do was a new patio, right? And then she wanted the fire pit and a seating wall just to kind of keep it simple. Um, imagine it's a year from now and you walk out into this beautiful new patio and you have your fire pit and your seating wall there. And it's a gorgeous Saturday afternoon. What does this space have to look and feel like for you and your husband to know that this project was an absolute success. <laughs> so good, Josh. That's right? so good. Hold on. I got to take a, a stop here. Pause. Listeners, <laughs> I mean, you should write that one down because that is exactly how that should be asked because from the perspective of, the, of, of Mrs. Jones, she's going to go back. She's going to sit there and imagine, okay, what does it need to look like and feel like for me to know that this project was a success? And they're going to start building their own success and they're now going to anchor it to you. Oh, so yes. good. Continue, Josh. You know the best part, Dent? You know the best part about this, this process, this life effect, and we teach this heavily in, in, our pro, in our sales classes, is once you get a sense of what 
that looks like for her and her husband. You want them both involved with this. What they both see as the future paced success of the space. Then they'll say things like, oh, I want to have a space that's comfortable uh, you know, to read a book outside on a sunny afternoon. You say, okay, Mrs. Jones, you mentioned comfortable. What does comfort outdoors mean to you? Mm. And you go one level deeper. And she's like, well, you know, I want to have something I can have my feet up and we have a big tree there. So I want to make sure that this patio is tucked under that tree so I can get some of the you know shade from it. But I want to be in the sun in the morning, but in the afternoon, I want to be in the shade. Mm. And I, I read a lot. So I'll probably be out there for two, three hours a day, just getting lost in my stories. And I want to watch the grandkids run around and I want to see my dog run around. And this is, this is what I want. This is really the reason why I'm doing this entire project. What do you think designer Josh was doing? He's sitting here. I'm already planning out this space. I see her reading her book. I see the patio jog slightly left. So we get closer to the tree. I see, a, a, you know, in my 3D imagery, I'm thinking I'm going to have a woman there reading a book with her feet up. And I see a dog in the backyard and grandkids running around like we're creating this. She is giving you every single ingredient you need to do that design to land it for her. Because think about it, Dan, and you know this, but I'm going to tell the listeners when your client is giving you words right? Those words are trying to, to uh, describe a picture that someone put in their head, right? They have this picture of the perfect space, maybe not all the details, but they have a feeling, a picture. And just like a text message, when you text a picture from one phone to another, right? You've got to go through the, the, the world or whatever, like through the, the internet to get there. They're trying through words to be that connector. Yeah. The problem is, Dan, when it comes to a phone, it takes the exact picture and transfers it. When we talk and use words to describe an image, and then it transfers from Mrs. Jones's mind to mine, what's the chance of those two being exact when she says, I'm looking for a patio that I can read a book on? Like, think about it. What's the chance of my image in my head that she's telling me through words that's going to actually match the image in her head? The chance of that, what do you think the chance of that is? It's low. Exactly. Yeah. Very low. It's like I mean, almost me saying to you, impossible. to your car example, hey, hey Dan. Um, I'm going to go buy a car, you know, and you're like, in your mind, you're thinking McLaren and I'm thinking Honda, right? right? And like, <laughs> so let's go meet, let's go meet at, at the dealership here and you stand by the car you consider a car and the one that right. I consider a car. Like there's two different images in our head. So through words, humans communicate, trying to uh, explain pictures in our heads. So we have to keep it very simple that way. So now it's our job as designers to get deeper into Mrs. Jones mm. head so she can paint the picture for us so that our rendition or our picture in our head is as accurate as possible. Now design obviously helps with that, but we need to get the, the fundamental ingredients to the recipe. And if we can get them directly from her, imagine how much less design time you're going to need when you know exactly what it is. By the time we're done with life effect, we already have the design laid out probably at least 60 or 70%. Oh. We already have it laid out because we know exactly what it has to look like based on what we've talked about. Oh, and that's the beautiful part about asking the right questions and the right timing within your sales process. And Dan, the coolest part, we haven't even left the office yet. Exactly. This is all from my comfort of the seat of my desk. Exactly. And we can have this conversation. Exactly. And I'm sitting here thinking like, all right, does Mrs. Jones sound like the ideal client for us? Yeah. And does she have that? Or, or is it just, I want that 10 by 20 patio. I don't care. That's all I want. Well, Mrs. Jones, 10 by 20 could be the perfect size. Have you considered where your furniture would go on that side, on that size of a patio? No, I haven't thought anything about that. Okay, would, would you be open to considering that? Because what I, the last thing I want you to do, Mrs. Jones, you can do whatever you want with your money. That's fine. The last thing I want you to do is to spend this money on this project, walk down out into this newly finished space and find out your furniture doesn't fit. Or mm. even worse, that this patio is twice the size it needs to be and you just wasted a lot of money. Right. So are you willing to have a bigger conversation so we make sure we can dial this in to fit exactly the way it has to fit for you and your family? The difference is the guide versus the hero. It's gigantic. 
And you are, think about how much better relationship you're going to build with that client when you're having those kinds of pointed conversations. If you had the tools and the skills to be able to do that, I didn't have those tools and skills until I met you. Right. So I was just the guy out there saying, whatever you want, Mr. Jones, I'll build you whatever you want and hope like heck it always worked and added some ideas. She liked them or didn't like them, but imagine driving the bus and being the guide to help that client make the best decisions for themselves. And that's how you, you know, get yourself out of that commoditized world because you become something so different. They can't compare you. It's like that McLaren to the bicycle. You can't compare what you become. That's right. Incomparable. And that's how you avoid the price war. Uh, Can I just tell a story real quick? Just happened to me recently based on what you're talking about is, is the, is the idea of helping your clients imagine something that they didn't imagine before. Uh, So I recently needed to buy my college freshman a, a car. He's not a big car guy, so all he needs is four wheels and a trunk for his golf clubs and, you know, his probably case of beer, whatever he's doing. <laughs> and uh, so I say, got it. So I went to the Ford dealership because, you know, um, try to you know, dealership right down the street. It, it all made sense from a logistics standpoint, whatever. So we got that done. And uh, the salesperson is like, so what are you driving? And we started a conversation. And, you know, I'm a car guy, so I like talking to car guys. He's talking about this. And he's like, well, you know. He's like, yeah, I'm not a really, I'm not big Ford guy, to be honest. You know, I haven't bought domestic in over 15 years. You know, no offense. That's just not kind of my thing. And he's like, okay, well, um, are you a truck guy? I'm like, no, I'm not really a truck guy. And I love the conversation because everyone here is probably truck guys. So I'm like, I'm not really a truck guy. You know, I have, I'm driving a Tesla right now. I like to get it and go, I like the go-kart feel and blah, blah, blah. I said, all right. So, but if you had to, if you ever wanted a truck, would you ever use a truck? I'm like, and I'm thinking, well, yeah. I mean, there are times where we, the wife takes me furniture shopping or like antique shopping and we, I never have room in the, um, in that family SUV to haul stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what, what don't you like about a truck? I was like, because it's a truck. It just feels trucky, you know, it feels like a boat. You know, I just remember, you know, driving in my dad's truck. It was like, like, you know, it's just, and I, I like quick and nimble and whatever. It's like, he, I'll never forget this. He goes, if, let me ask you a question. If you could drive a truck that felt quick and nimble, just like if not not as good, but just maybe as good as your Tesla, and you have a higher ride height and you and you feel like king of the road, would that be something that you'd like? Like, yeah, but it doesn't exist. Well, actually, um, I'm just throwing this out there. Just want to show you what we got here. And he brings me to the lot. And for those of you Ford people, he shows me a 2022 uh Ford Raptor R. This is the 5.2 liter supercharged V8 in a Raptor generation three. You guys know what I'm talking about. I've never seen this truck before. I probably see it. I never saw it. And he goes, okay, this is already allocated to somebody who ordered it 20, like eight months ago, but I want you to just sit in it and just kind of rev the engine. And I got in that. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want. Long story short, because he made me imagine this thing in my what life. What did you buy, Dan? Dude, I ordered, I ordered a 2023 Raptor R. And here's Dude. the thing. Here's the thing with that car, though. It's so dumb. It's stickers at 111,000, right? US. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's going for 20,000, 30,000 over MSRP. And it's about yeah. an eight, nine month wait. So guess yeah. what happened? From a snap of a finger, I became yeah. a truck guy. Yeah. I'm going to let go of my 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 Tesla and I'm going to daily drive a gas guzzling 5.2 liters supercharged <laughs> V8 that is you that's that they took from the Shelby 500 GT. I mean that's what happens when somebody poses a question in the perspective of, of someone across from you 
without any type of, you know, um, uh, of, of browbeating or trying to be a hero or trying to make a sale. He was just asking a question. And that led to a sale of a, you know, a six figure card that I never, ever thought or imagined, you know, and yeah. I'm, and I'm thrilled about it. It's not like, yeah. I don't feel like I got tricked. I don't feel anything. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait for this truck. Yeah, I'm on yeah. YouTube videos looking at all the, I'm, I've already bought accessories in my head. I got the hard <laughs> top. Did. I did. I'm all there. I got the, the pullout stuff. I got, I got everything for it. got the, I mean the, okay. So and I already called the guy who's going to wrap the car. Okay, guys, I, I'm already in. And this is the same experience that so many of your clients are going through that they want. And all we got to do is position it correctly. Follow yeah. the rules. And there's rules in sales and that we break them all the time. If you're not trained, you can't wing. This is what we're saying, especially yeah. in a recession, in a recession, the cream rises to the top. That's the only difference. The people who are trained do really good. They, they do the best. The people who are not trained, they fall off, they fail. And you know, there's no way for me to candy coat this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's either you do or you don't. And yeah. right now, if we're talking about a recession right now, yeah. The only thing that's harder is that the threshold is higher. So if you're good, you're good. If you're not good, you used to squeak, squeak by before, now you won't. And so there's a lot on the line, folks. And if you're on this podcast right now, you got to understand one thing. You're here for a reason. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. There was a reason that Josh and I hooked up years ago, okay? For both of our benefits, right? Even though I was coaching him, right? And for you, you hopped onto this podcast for a reason. And that reason could be right now, holy shit. I may need, I, I think I have to learn how to do this because I've been winging it now for the last, you know, my entire career, just doing blow and mows. <clears throat> now I want to get into design. And if I'm going to sell high ticket, high valued uh, products and services for my, my community, I better know what I'm doing. That's right. And you do, you have to know what you're doing. You just cannot wing this. You got to learn a step-by-step -step process and then you make it your own. And then it becomes its own art form in itself. But that's another conversation. Absolutely, Dan. I mean, you couldn't have nailed it more. And that's that's what I've found over the years. And now coaching hundreds of you know companies around the United States, it's been such a beautiful pleasure to see them be able to move through economies like this and understand how to have a conversation, how to open their clients up, how to how to help their clients say no to things that they don't need. Mm. You know, and one thing I want to go back to that you mentioned at the dealership, and I love that story, by the way. I can't believe you're gonna get rid of your Tesla, but I know anyway. Um <laughs> I mean what not, my whole thing is like, what am I gonna do with the, the 220 volt into my garage? Like and yeah. I, sp I spent so much time and energy getting that that sucker in there when I was like, whatever, I'll probably come back to a Tesla at one point. Well actually okay. sorry for the car guys. The uh, the Hummer um, electric looks really, really good. The Hummer electric, I forget the name of it, but it's the pickup Hummer electric. Can't even get one right yeah. now. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but if you think about, and I know you know this, but for the listeners, I want to unpack the sales experience you had at that dealership. You said quick and nimble. You couldn't, you love the Tesla because it's quick and nimble. It's like a go-kart, right? Yeah. And did you notice, listeners, did you notice what Dan said that that salesman did? He said, what if I found you a truck that was quick and nimble? Would you, be, would you be open to considering it or would you take a look? And you're like, yeah, of course. What he did was such a simple, simple thing that simple. we teach and that is simple to the sales process. It's capturing the client's words exactly as they use them. Because mm. he's trying to describe something and those words are the closest description that, you know, of a feeling, something that elicits or, or something like that. So using their words and getting them exactly as your client says it, it is so powerful when it comes to communication because it, it shows that you're listening intently.
And that is one of the number one things. And even if you suck at sales all the way through, if you can listen well and be a good listener and you can pick up some of those words like quick and nimble, you see how he rotated that into a six figure deal because of two words he picked up. If he would have said, uh, you know, fast and uh, I don't know, something else for nimble, quick, right? Fast and quick. Uh, you would probably would have been like, yeah, it's kind of what I want, but I want quick and nimble. Because exactly. to you, there's value in those words. So as salespeople, we got to be very careful not to correct somebody. Oh, Thinking that quick such. and nimble might be the wrong thing to say. So we're going to say something different because we're going to correct them to the right words because it automatically disconnects you from your person. Because like Dan mentioned earlier, coming from the perspective of your prospect is the most important part. You're trying to get into their head and into their heart. And you can't do that if you're trying to correct them. It's using their words. Mrs. Jones might say that she wants a terrace that she can read that book on in the sunshine on the summer afternoon while watching her grandkids and watching a dog. And if you say, oh, you mean patio? She doesn't mean patio, even though it is a patio. Oh, so Terrace so is the word that <laughs> right. she wants. So you use terrace back to her. Exactly. If you don't know exactly. what a terrace is, you say, Mrs. Jones, you mentioned the word terrace. Can you tell me a little bit more about what a terrace means to you? Yes. yes and then pretty yes. soon she describes a patio and she says, oh, I really mean a patio. Okay. Her word. Yes. Now we're on the same. So so, so often that was one of the huge mistakes I made before starting to work with you is the fact that I wasn't listening to what they were saying. I was correcting them right. and then disconnecting from them. Mm -hmm. It is so simple yet. So you have to be aware of what you're doing. You've got to have an awareness. And again, all parts that we teach through the process, but man, that's, that's what hooked you, right? hundred percent. Can I give yeah. you an, can I give the listeners another example of that? I think this Please. is such an incredible lesson right now. And if, if this is the only thing you got from this, great. This is the 10% of the whole that will make the biggest difference. Um, translating your client's words into your own words is a fatal error. It's the blue screen of death. It's the, it's the, it's the little rainbow circle spinning. It's the worst thing that you can possibly do. Um, in healthcare, uh, and when we talk to chiropractors, chiropractors do this, let's say, for example, let's just switch industries for a, sec for a second. A patient might say, you know what, it, it acts in my head. Um, headaches is one of our things in our head, in my head, it feels like there's like this little, like little gremlin, four-legged gremlin that's chiseling himself out of my right temple. Right. And then the chiropractor or the health doctor, the, the doctor would say, oh, you mean you have right temporal cephalgia? <laughs> it's like, yeah. why do, why do doctors do that? Like, that's so dumb. If I hear something descriptive like that in my practice, I am writing it down and putting it in quotes. I'm taking out my color, multicolored pen set. I'm highlighting it however I possibly can. So I come back to those exact words when we talk about how to get that corrected, right? I'm not going to translate it because it makes me feel smarter, which is why most doctors would do that. But my, my question to you and the listeners, why do you do that? You know, are you trying to educate them? I mean, I'm sure you come from a good place, but you're absolutely stepping on one of the biggest landmines in sales. And that is translating your pay, your, um, your client's words into what you would call it, not what they would call it. My goodness, Josh, that is such good stuff that you just gave away right here. I just can't believe. I mean, we could just stay on and just give the whole thing away. What do you say? <laughs> sure good. Yeah. There's so many details like that, Dan, in communication. You know that. You obviously oh, taught me a lot of them. So and, good. You know, there are things, there were so many, you know, landmines that I was stepping in constantly, not even realizing I was doing it and wondering right. why I wasn't closing projects. Mm -hmm. But once I realized that these, this is just basic communication, you know, the cold part, Dan, this works with the wife too. Oh, <laughs> right? no doubt. But so, I mean, <laughs> it's like, 
Close, <laughs> selling and closing the wife is a, should be a different seminar, I think. Josh. It should be. That, that's its own thing. But <laughs> totally. this, is, this is human communication. It's not like just because you want something through a sale. This is just good human communication, even with your friends or your wife or your family or whatever. It's a listening part, especially for men out there, because we aren't always very good listeners. Yeah. We have to work and build, you know, do the reps to work and build that muscle because that is the difference between th- surviving and thriving. Yes. Fantastic. Some of the best salespeople you'll ever meet are the ones that are listening intently yes. and they can use the words back with their clients that they feel like they're engaging exactly where your clients are. I mean, there's tons of rules around sales that we teach as course, but um, the overall plan here is if, if you only get that from this podcast where you listen to your clients, you use their words in order to describe spaces. If you don't know, you ask for deeper clarity, you know, the, the, the life effect side of things, getting a sense of future pacing, what this might look like when it's complete, what does it have to look and feel like in order for them to know it was a complete success? I mean, just these things that are small can lead to gigantic changes in the outcome of the investment of your time with that mm, client. And think about you as the guide, not the hero. You're guiding clients. You're focusing on transformations, not transactions. All of those things are what we found gets us through you know, tougher economical times because to Dan's point, you are now completely differentiating yourself. You're decommoditizing what you're doing. You aren't just a patio guy. You're not just planting bushes. You're not just doing these things. You're solving problems. Yeah. And think about the value you're bringing. And when you're comparing your numbers to somebody else, do you think they're willing to pay a little bit more for someone who has much bigger depth and a clarity around what the solution could be? Hmm. So well said. So well said. I don't know, I don't know if you have uh, much more time, but um, when I just heard you talk about listening and being mindful of the perspective, if you're not trained on this stuff, you'll really never have the bandwidth to observe the things that you need to observe, which is why you need to have a plan. And if you're constantly thinking about where to go with this, what words to use, how should I phrase this, what scripting should I have, or what process, if you're always worrying about your own process, you'll never really unlock the bandwidth that you need to be that observant that's going to help you connect with these people. So. What I'm trying to say is that you have to be prepared. You have to work at this. This is not a esoteric thing that certain people are are born with. You know, this is a trained skill that starts as a skill and then it evolves into its own art form. It's a beautiful and glorious thing. I just wish even just a percentage of you out there would actually experience uh, at this level at some point. 100%, Dan. I couldn't say that because in our industry, people work way too hard for way too little money. Totally. You know, and at the end of the day, imagine if you could put an extra eight, 10 or 12 hours in your week and that's no BS. Right. I've seen it happen over and over again by screening your calls before you ever go out, making sure you're going out to meet the right people and the ones that truly value you and aren't mm-hmm. just looking for someone with a pulse and a, an idea, Yeah. you know, and then they become a commodity at that point. So yeah. it's, it's very important. It's totally, you know, the, the Business ownership is is one of those things that as soon as you get your EIN from the government, they're like, Here, here's how you pay taxes. The rest is on you. Right. Good luck. And, if I, <laughs> and I found in our industry, it's one of those things. And I was the same in the beginning where if it's not a shiny tool that you can show your buddies or something you can put your leg up on while you're drinking a beer and be like, look what I bought. This is mine. Or put your arm out the window or sit in that excavator and say, look what I bought. If, if it's not that and it's a soft skill like sales or communication, you know, it, it's almost like, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah, and I yeah. said the same thing until I had it. And then I'm like, I, I would sell everything else just to be able to communicate. Yeah, that's and right. now we do, right? Podcasts yeah. and multiple businesses and all these kinds of things because I've learned how to do this now. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a skill set that lasts the rest of your life. It's not a once and done kind of thing. It'll make you an unbelievable amount of money. Um, 
So, I mean, that's, that's all I can say is, you know, if this is interesting to you and you find value in what we're talking about here, hit me up, you know, here at Yes Express is exactly what we do. We, we help, you know, landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living professionals have a better conversation with their clients so that they can preserve their time, spend more time with their family, make a lot more money and do it in a way that makes them feel right inside. Cause you mm. aren't selling anything. All you're doing is guiding your client. You just happen to both win at the end. That's the beautiful part about all this. So if that's something you're interested in, you can reach out to me here at hello at yes.express. That's at hello at yes.express. And we can have a conversation. I can see if, if this makes sense for you. I'd love to hear what process you have in place right now. And if we can help you, and if you can, I will be the first one to tell you, give you a couple of great pieces of advice and have you move on. And that'll be that. I'm not interested in your money. I want to make sure I can help you transform people's lives. That is my mission. Cool. Take them up on that offer, uh, people. This is uh, it's very few people in any industry that is as special as Josh and has the experience from going the position that most of you are probably in right now. Uh, so that empathy and that level of perspective is priceless. Also, on, on his behalf, I'm going to ask you guys to leave a comment or review on this particular podcast and share it. And, and from our conversation, this crosses all boundaries. I don't care what industry you're in, but if you know anyone else that needs to communicate better with their clientele so that they can actually help other people realize the dreams that with the expertise and the heart that you have, then this might be a conversation that may change the lives of someone that you send it to. So go ahead and hit that share button, share it with your buddies. I'll leave a, a review on this podcast because this is going to blow up. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on today. And I really appreciate all your insight as always. I love and appreciate all you've done for me. And, uh, and through that, how many thousands, if not millions of people's lives you've impacted through your teachings and tutelage. So I appreciate you, brother, as always. And uh, any last uh, thoughts or, or words you want to bestow on our listeners before we wrap up? No, I think, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, truly humbled and honored again to be on your podcast. Love everything you're doing, Josh. Keep rocking on. Keep charging. Uh, can't wait to see what else you got coming down the pipeline real soon. I appreciate it, brother. We'll talk soon. Okay.